Would you join me in prayer? Dear God, we put this time into your hands. I pray that you'd edit me as necessary, that I would preach your word um, clearly and boldly. And Lord, that your spirit would move in our hearts and minds and draw us closer to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, Happy New Year. And we hope that this is a new year. Right? Definitely. I certainly hope so. And in the midst of this turmoil, though, isn't it, can we praise God in the midst of this massive change that we have an unshakable foundation in our eternal God? Amen. Amen. And, you know, in our church life as well, there have been lots of changes. Think about it. If we were to transport back to the uh, first Sunday of 2020, I was talking about, ah, 2020 vision, right? Well, 2020 certainly gave us a vision, didn't it? It, helped, it, it did help us see things more clearly, but just imagine that. If, if we were to be able to be transported back and, think, and, and just look, like, hey, what, what are they doing in the gymnasium? What are they doing with masks on? What, you know, what's going on? Um, but see, that's, this world is, is fragile. It's, it's, it's filled with futility. It's full of change. We, that's just the way this world is. Um, but we have an unshakable God. And also on a foundational level, as a church, even though things look a lot different, our mission has not changed. And the reason is that when, when we say the church's mission, well, the church belongs to Christ, right? This, Christ is the head of the church. So we don't try to figure out, hey, what's our mission? Let's come up with some good ideas. What we do is we go to God, we go to Christ and say, God, what's your mission for your church? And as we look in the scriptures, we see uh, scriptures like, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. And, and we see the Great Commission that says, go and make disciples of all nations. And, and we look at so many of those scriptures and we say, all right, God, what do you want for your church? What's your mission? This is your kingdom, and the church is a part of spreading that kingdom. And that's unchanging, right, because it's from God. So, yeah, our mission to worship God, love people, and grow Christ followers, that's the same. It's the same no matter what's going on uh, in the world around us. And I think this year especially showed the importance of living and working as a church at, in, in a, a true, clear mission. Uh, because think about that. Sometimes there's these other unspoken missions that creep into churches like, well, uh, we want to just keep things the same as much as possible. Well, if that was our mission, well, forget about it for 2020, right? There was no, we couldn't keep anything the same. Or if our mission was, let's just keep everyone happy. <laughs> well, then we would have failed because no one's happy. No one likes wearing a mask. No one likes distancing. No one likes not touching one and all of this stuff. But we're thankful for a mission that transcends our situation, that's not dependent on people or on the circumstances, but rather it comes from God. That no matter what year we're in, no matter what place we're in, that we are called as a church to, to worship him, to love people, and to grow Christ's followers. But if we want to get even simpler, okay, if you can't remember the... the uh, you know, worship, love, grow, even though it's up here on these banners. Uh, if you can't remember those things, it, it can get even simpler in that our mission is to bear fruit for God. Right? It's to bear fruit for God. 
and you know worship love growth these are fruits that god provides through his spirit and we take part in that fruit bearing process through the proclamation of god's word and through prayer and so when as we carry out the church's mission it's really a partnership right between god and his people and when i say partnership i don't mean it's a partnership of equals right god is god we are not uh, but still it's a partnership he decides to use us he he blesses us by saying i want you to take part in what i'm doing in the world and i'm partnering with you in the way that we stay connected to god and make sure that we're really following his will and his kingdom is through prayer and devotion to his word because his word is where we get our mission his word is the transforming truth that we need and through prayer we stay connected to him and we see this pattern all over scripture including in Paul's letters, and especially into his letter to the church in Colossae, which we refer to as the Colossians, because people who lived in Colossae are called Colossians, right? And he begins his letter, right? And this is our scripture, is Colossians chapter 1, going through verses 3 through 14, but we'll just take a chunk at a time here, is that he begins his letter by referring to how prayer and the gospel have been bearing fruit for God in the city of Colossae and all over the world. All right, so let's look. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, starting at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this, you've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. All right, I want to stop there for a moment. So Paul here says to the church in Colossae, we've heard what God is doing among you. And, and just as is happening with you in, in Colossae, it's that, that same thing's happening all over the world. The word of truth, the gospel, again, that proclamation, that message of Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins and, and filling us with the spirit, that whole thing that goes along with the truth of the gospel, that is bearing fruit. That's bearing fruit in you, Colossae. It's bearing fruit all over the, the world as lives are transformed by the truth of Christ. And this transformation, it's evidenced by the fruit of love. Love for God and love for people. And for this reason, Paul, he's praying for God to continue to carry out his work among the Colossians who are advancing God's mission in the world. I find that interesting that when I compare often uh, scripture to practice, uh, you know, in our church and church in America generally, I notice some contrast. For one is we often really don't get serious about prayer unless, until things are bad. But in scripture, what we see is when God is at work in people, God's people start to praise him in prayer and ask God to, that, that he'd continue 
to do his work, to do his will. They're like, oh, I see, God, how you're blessing and how you're working. Bring it on. Bring more. And that it's not just the bad times that cause people to pray. It's the good times. It causes people to praise God. And I think one of the reasons we struggle with this is that, unfortunately, we often have a very shallow approach to prayer. We think of prayer as us asking God for things. And that is only about a quarter of what prayer is about scripturally. Scripturally, prayer is about praising God. It's about repenting. Now, we said the Lord's Prayer, right? You all said it with me, right? Yeah, I heard you. Now, when we look at that prayer, how much of that is asking God for stuff? There is some there, but it starts out with praise and, and a recognition of who God is, right? Our, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Revered be your name. God, you are high and lifted up. Because, see, prayer is about connecting with God, getting in step with his will, and then there's also repentance, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we come into God's presence, we realize, uh, I'm not in total step with who God is and what he's doing. So God, I repent. I, I want to be in line with what you're doing. And then there's appreciation for all that God has done and who he is. And then, yes, there's your request. Give us this day our daily bread. Right, Lord, I need bread to live. So Lord, I'm asking you for this to provide. So it's not that we don't ever lift up our request, but it's just that an understanding of prayer is that there's a partnership here. And that if I'm in partnership with God, and again, it's not a partners of equal, but nonetheless, I'm in partnership with God, then I need to get in sync with him because it's his mission, it's his kingdom, and I want to be a part of it. And so prayer is a recognition of that. Partnership, And in here, the Apostle Paul is saying, Lord, your mission, it's advancing here in the city of Colossae. And so continue to work, continue to work among us, and then also continue to work in us. That prayer is not just asking God to change the situation. Prayer is coming into the presence of God and being transformed, being changed ourselves from the inside out through his presence. And that's what... This, this need for God to do a work in us, to grow us in our knowledge of him and, and our love of God, it's crucial. It is crucial because the fruit we bear, right, if that's our mission is to bear fruit, we want it to be godly fruit. If we're sharing fruit, we're trying to give something to people, then it better be good fruit because we're going to share whatever we have, right? And if we're sharing bad fruit, then people think, oh, this God's kingdom, that's not very good. So we want to make sure that we are connected with God, Christ-centered fruit, so that when people taste, they see that the Lord is good. And that's why Paul continues in verse 9. Verse 9, he says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Again, the prayer is to continue bearing fruit. That's our mission, to bear fruit for God. Again, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might 
for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the prayer here is to be filled with the knowledge of God, to be filled with his spirit, so that we grow as Christ followers ourselves. We become more like Christ ourselves, even as we grow the kingdom of his son. And in this passage, we see a couple things. We see Paul assumes that the, the mission of the church in Colossae, it includes loving people and growing Christ followers, right? Look in verses 4 through, um, through 6, the, the, the love people and, and grow Christ followers aspect are, are really emphasized, aren't they? Um, and, and see, so when we don't make up our mission. Again, we're given our mission by God. So we should see in many places, and as Paul's writing to the churches, as Jesus is directing his disciples, that we would see sort of these marching orders continue to bubble up. And in this case, we see, yes, love people, grow Christ followers. And so really, it shouldn't be a surprise that if we're given our mission by God, that pretty much every Christ-centered, Bible-believing church is going to have these kinds of aspects in their mission, right? That makes sense, that we wouldn't be coming up with something all new by ourselves, but rather Jesus, as he gives his church its mission, that if you're a Christ-centered, Bible-believing church, then you're probably going to come up with some of those same things. And indeed, you know, um, Mercy House Church in Amherst, their mission statement is love God, love people. And the third part, they say it a different way, but it has to do with growing or, or making disciples. Um, again, we see these patterns, we see these similarities because, again, our mission is given to us from God. And if we're focused on the word, that's where we get our mission. Now, how that particular mission is carried out by a particular church in a particular area it's going to look different because how we grow disciples here in South Hadley is going to maybe look different than how um, my friends in Ukraine are going to grow disciples in Kiev or um, how we grow disciples or, or um, in, in 2021 might look different and have it as a different look different, have a different vision than in 1940. Right, because cultures change. So the mission doesn't change, but the vision of how do we accomplish this as we look at our culture, as we look who God has brought us and where he's placed us, that's where we say, all right, as God has constituted us as a local church body in this place and at this time, how can we most effectively worship God, love people, and grow disciples? You see, that's where vision, that's where vision and mission are related. But we see this, this love people aspect in verse four and eight. Right? This uh, in verse four, Apostle Paul says, "Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, verse eight, He has made made known to us your love in the Spirit." Now, this kind of love that's mentioned here in our, our scripture in Colossians, it, it mostly focuses on love of fellow Christians here, but really, our love for people has to be for all kinds of people. Think about Jesus saying we have to love our enemies even. But nonetheless, that love in the Spirit is, is a fruit of the Spirit. 
right? Love is a fruit of the Spirit. So again, advancing this mission to love people, again, it's a partnership between God and us where we don't want to just love people in our own strength, that if we just have a human kind of love, it's not going to go that far. But if we have God's love, if we've received his love, and we are overflowing with his love, then we're going to love people in a way that's supernatural, in a way that's spirit-filled, in a way that um, speaks to our world, that wait, the fruit of God, the fruit of Christ, it's different. It tastes so much better, and it has a, its own distinct quality than anything you can find in the, in the world without God. And again, that partnership. How do we maintain that partnership so that we love God in that and love people and love God in that way? It's through prayer and commitment to God's word. Prayer and proclamation of God's word, the, the gospel. Now we talked about prayer a little bit, but notice in verses five and six, it talks about how the gospel message makes and grows Christ followers. Okay, so, so verses, um, yeah, five. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit and increasing. So Paul's saying the gospel, the word of truth, that is what is transforming. That the word of God is God's revelation. It's the eternal truth that transforms our hearts and minds. Now, most of the world only deals with, with kind of human-centered ideas and, and human truth, which is fleeting and it's falling. It's not that we can't find any truth in the world. No, there's general revelation and general grace where there are good things and, and stuff in the world, but it's so fleeting. It's so limited. But God has revealed himself to his people in Christ and the message of Christ, his death and resurrection, what he's done, who he is, that's what we refer to as the gospel. And the gospel is the transforming message that is bearing fruit everywhere. Right? Verse 5 and 6, and then a reference to 10, says that the gospel, it is what is bearing fruit and increasing in the church in Colossae and all over the world. Now, the, the imagery here of bearing fruit, it's used a lot in the Bible. Now, for us, when, when you think about good fruit and bearing fruit, I mean, what's your favorite fruit? I think of raspberries. I love raspberries and mangoes. Um, but when the Bible refers to it, they're probably thinking of more like grapevines, right? Uh, those would be a, the typical fruit of that time period where, all right, there's a vine and it's bearing fruit. And we see that in the Bible where God often uh, refers to that bearing fruit um, in, in other places, like John 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. You, if you bear fruit, you glorify me. And there's that picture of, all right, Jesus is the vine, the gospel you know, and of Jesus. Like that's the vine and the purpose of the vine. Like again, it's, it's bearing fruit. The branches are to bear fruit. And so we see that Paul is, is, is picking up on that and saying the gospel, it's bearing fruit increasing all over the world. Again, thinking more of a grapevine than maybe a mango tree or, or a raspberry bush. 
But, you know, that, this verse, verses 5 and 6, about, uh, you know, the gospel, which has come to you, is indeed in the world, it's bearing fruit increasing. That's one of the, the basic verses or the foundational verses to uh, the book called The Vine and the Trellis, The Trellis and the Vine, and The Vine Project. Right? About a year or a year and a half ago, I don't know, time just has sort of stood still, so I don't really remember when it was. But remember, we went through... Um, the, uh, the Vine Project. I think we got a, a slide for that book. And um, basically, the, one of the things the Vine Project does, it says, all right, the church's mission, yeah, there it is, is to, is to grow the vine. Right? That's our mission, is to, to bear fruit, to grow the vine, that the gospel is that message that increases and bears fruit so that the eternal fruit of the kingdom will increase. That's at the very basic level, the church's mission is to bear fruit by um, growing the vine. And then that vine grows disciples. And so we went through this material last year and the concepts, they really help inform our vision for growing Christ followers. So when we say, all right, what does it look like to grow Christ followers? We, um, we think of, all right, it's, it's really about you know, the best way to do that, again, thinking of the Vine Project, is we want to maximize that in our church we're, we're maximizing the vine, right? We want to see that vine, Christ, his message. We, we just want to let it loose. We want to grow and cultivate that vine. Um, and in the book, one of the things it talks about for growing Christ followers is that, all right, how do we grow the vine? Is that every time... We gather every interaction we have as a church and as individual Christians. We want to take a step towards Jesus, right? I think we have a diagram from the book there. Yeah, you might have remembered this, and I know the print's too small for those of you who are here, but um, this was the diagram we talked about how that every time we gather, if we want to grow Christ followers, that one of our goals is we need to take a step towards Jesus, that that is the goal. That yes, in church work, there's trellis work and there's vine work. Trellis work is work that helps support the growth of the vine. It's necessary, it's needed, but in and of itself, it's not growing the vine. So many churches focus on trellis work, building all sorts of trellises, but each trellis has to have a vine on it for it to serve a, a, a function. So yes, supporting uh, the supportive work is important, but it's really about the vine. It's really about everyone taking a step towards Jesus, every interaction. And we talked about how do we do that? Well, we, we take a step through the, pers- through the four Ps, the persistent and prayerful proclamation of the gospel of God by the people of God, right? Persistent, prayerful proclamation by people. That is how we help people take a step towards Christ through the word once again uh, through prayer and proclamation of the world word we we partner with God to grow the vine to help fulfill our mission to grow Christ followers and we see that when Paul refers to Epaphras right he's like hey I heard from Epaphras he told you the message of God and it's growing the gospel's growing in you and through you and among you He is one of those people who helped proclaim. But now the Colossians themselves, as each one of them are in prayer and sharing the gospel of who God is and what he's done, that's increasing. See, the vine is increasing. So we want to continue to make sure that we maximize the, the growth of the vine 
in our church because that's our mission. That's how we grow disciples. We don't grow disciples through some uh, neat program or, or some, some, clever, uh, some clever thoughts. We grow disciples ourselves and make new disciples as we prayerfully devote ourselves to the word and that transforms us to be more like Christ. Okay, so you might think, yeah, did we just forget about the Vine Project? No, actually, we've been working on some of the Vine Project things. Like, for instance, um, you know, one of, our, one of the reasons that we did our restructuring, right, and, and took our governing board and, and, and shrunk it down was that we're like, all right, we've got 26 people devoting three hours a month on just meetings. All right, that's trellis work. It's needed. But how much better if we took some of that time and devoted it to actual, like, vine work, vine growth work? And so that restructuring is actually a part of this vision is that, no, we want to maximize people actually doing ministry, not just talking about it. And, and so, again, that was one of the reasons behind it is we're trying to maximize, all right, we, we only have a limited time, right? We only have a limited time. We all only have 24 hours a day, right? And, and how do we use that time, both as individuals, as a church, to really advance God's kingdom? Because, again, we don't have all the time in the world. Another thing I want to point out in this passage is that when we partner with God in prayer, we are engaging in the supernatural spiritual realm. Okay, so yes, we proclaim God's word, and yes, we pray, but when we do that, it's not just a human thing. It's not just a physical realm kind of thing. We are entering into the supernatural realm, and when we enter into the supernatural realm, we need to expect supernatural um, and, and spiritual battles to, to happen. And look at verse 13. It points to the spiritual realities behind the created order. Verse 13, he says, He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. See, when you become a Christian, we talk about, all right, we each take a step towards Jesus. When there's a time when you are in the domain of darkness, right? When we, we don't know Christ, we're not believers, there's, we start taking steps through the Spirit as he brings convictions towards Jesus. We don't necessarily know or trust him yet, but there is a time where we step over that threshold from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light, and we become his children. But then the process is not done. Then we continue to take steps towards Jesus. And when we're doing that, it's not just a physical thing. It's not just like an organization where we're like, oh, you know, let's, uh, you know, we have our organizational structure and then we do this and we, and we do that. No, there's a spiritual battle going on where Satan doesn't want us to follow Christ's mission. He doesn't want us to carry out his mission. No, he wants to keep the people who are his. And so there's battles going on. Likewise, when we are his people and we are fulfilling God's mission, Satan doesn't like that. He will put up walls and resistance. And the ways that we engage the spiritual realm is through prayer. And, and that's why uh, starting next week, we're going to start a series on spiritual warfare. Right? Spiritual warfare because we carry out God's mission in a hostile world, we, we can't do that if we don't know how to engage the spiritual enemies around us. And so Paul understands that the, for, for the Colossians in every church carrying out their mission, there's going to be a, a, a battle, and we engage that battle in prayer, which is also why um, one of our, our focus areas 
for January is going to be prayer. And Peter and I are getting together, and we're going to have uh, um, a prayer chain and kind of emphasis on prayer in January. Our Wednesday nights, we'll focus on that for a little bit. I know we're looking forward to evenings with Ezekiel on Wednesday nights, and that will start. But we thought, no, let's focus on prayer and then this um, and the spiritual warfare on Sunday so that we start out 2020 fully locked and loaded, I guess we could say, but not, not locked and loaded in an early set, in an earthly sense and not loaded in a drunken sense either. But I mean like locked and loaded and ready for battle because we are, we are prepared in prayer and with the word of God. So look out for that. So yes, we want to continue our mission by focusing on prayer. And as you can see, I'm kind of going over a lot of different things, looking at our mission, kind of looking back, but also looking forward. And I think that's appropriate on this first Sunday in January because there's a lot of things that God showed us. There's a lot of mission things we need to remember and to carry forward. But then there's also a lot of things of, all right, in 2020, what's that going to look like? Well, it's going to look like we're starting out in prayer because when we look at what the Apostle Paul was saying and how we carry on our mission, it's through prayer and proclamation of the word. And I also want to point out that one of the assumptions here in this passage is that um, God's mission is advanced in community. Right? And I'll talk about this more when we go through spiritual warfare um, series, but when you're in battle, you, you fight with people. Right? You have people who are in your foxhole with you. Right? And you need to trust them and they trust you. And you do battle together. And you also uh, trust one another in that, all right, this person has certain skills that I don't. When I was in the military, I was in, uh, again, don't laugh at military intelligence. So, again, my job was to eavesdrop on the Soviet Union. Right? And so um, my platoon, they, they trusted me with certain radio equipment. But then there was other people in my platoon who I had to trust them who had... Um, you know, who would defend, right? Who actually could hit a target and all that stuff, things I couldn't do, right? We had different, different skill sets, but we had the same mission, right? So when we do battle, we, we, um, we do it in, uh, in community, in community. And, and so I think that's the other thing we have to remember is that as we, as we go forward in our mission. This is something we do together, right? God calls Christians to be a part of the local body and that we can't grow as disciples. Uh, we can't grow as Christ followers alone. So God calls people to the local church. And again, every church has its own vision of how are we going to do our mission, um, but it's all from God. And the reality is that, you know, this call to radically love one another. This call to grow as Christ followers and to grow other people as Christ followers, to make disciples, to have people go from uh, a, a relationship of being an enemy of God to being in the family of God. That's, again, stuff we can't do on our own. Not only do we need to partner with God, but we need to partner with one another. And the reality is that many churches consist of shallow relationships where they're not the committed type of relationship that really requires love, where there's forgiveness, right? You need to be close to someone to be able to forgive them. There's accountability. There's concerted prayer and support for one another where I can truly pray for you because I actually know what you're going through. 
I know their struggles, and not just the big things like, oh, I've got this massive sickness, but rather, no, I'm going through a difficulty. I've, I've, I'm struggling with, with some doubts. Do we know one another well enough to pray through that? Because that's where the battle is engaged. But so many times we have these shallow relationships where we see each other maybe once a week, maybe once a month. How are we going to really love one another? No, we can't fulfill our mission to bear the kind of life-changing fruit with that kind of practice. And that's why if you're watching and you've been tuning in and you're like, yeah, I'm not really a part of the local church, that's why you're tuning in. I encourage you that if you want to bear fruit You need to plug into a local church. Be all in at a place because that's the only way that we really advance God's kingdom. And so again, if you're not a member of our church, but you're thinking about it, again, we'd love for you to to, to join in with us. But if not, find a place where you plug in to the point where you know people enough that you can do battle for them, that you can pray that you can hold one another accountable. So this year and every year, we can't fulfill our mission without recommitting to being a community, to building it, rebuilding it. And that mission is empowered and it's kept founded in Christ's kingdom as each one of us commit to advancing God's kingdom through prayer and devotion to the word. So you know, I've, I've gone a lot of places, I've, taken lots of whatever digressions. But what I want you to hear, one thing that you can do today is figure out what should I do? How should I respond to to being on mission in my life and in my church? It's what the Apostle Paul talks about, prayer. Apostle Paul says, hey, ever since I heard about you, I've been praying for you. Make that a commitment for, for 2021 to, to pray. Pray that God's will would be done. Pray that you'd be on mission. Make a commitment to really getting into his word. Commit to that this new year and ask God for for that wisdom, for that closeness, that empowerment to advance his mission on earth, his mission in this place. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you and And this new year, again, we ask that we would be a people of prayer, that you'd fill us with your spirit to such an extent, God, that we would want to advance all that you have for this place and this time. And so, Lord, move about this place, move online, and would you cause us to want to rededicate ourselves to, to prayer, to the word, because we know, Lord, that is the transforming agent. It's not our willpower. It's not a program. Lord, it's your spirit infusing prayer and your word to transform us from the inside out. So, Lord, cause us to stop going our own way, looking to fulfill our own agenda, and, Lord, fill us with with that resolve, God, to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, Lord, infuse us with that desire to pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.